Take RFM Dunedin with you wherever you go with podcasts and live streaming of Primo local content. Download the Access Internet Radio app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This programme was first broadcast on RFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Do you say and do things when drinking that you regret the next day? Is alcohol a problem for you or someone you really care about? Over the next hour, we'll find out how people just like you and me found sobriety in AA through sharing their experience, strength and hope. Welcome to AA Live, brought to you by Alcoholics Anonymous. Welcome along, everybody, to the uh, January edition to AA Live. It's great to uh, be here, um, and we're just uh, hoping that you've had a really good Christmas and New Year's, um, and welcome back. Um, this is the show that explores the ideas behind you know, uh, recovery in terms of an AA way of life, so um, we're glad that you're listening tonight, and I just want to warmly welcome Victor. Victor, hi. How's it going? Yeah, good day and um, hello, listeners, and I uh, hope the new year's treating you well, and um, you had a safe and sober Christmas. So, um, yeah, I've got a little task here to do. You want me to go ahead with that? Yeah, by all means. Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah, just first of all, anyway, I just wanted to. Um, I'm going to uh, going to read our um, preamble out, but um, you know the and the you know um, the. Opinions that are expressed over the um, over the show, really, from our members and, and ourselves, in fact, as well, are just our experience, and we just um, don't speak for AA, um, although we do introduce information from uh, AA, and we let you know what that is by way of literature and um, pamphlets and bits and pieces like that. And um, but otherwise, uh, you know, we just like to talk about what AA is and how it's made an, an, an introduce an impact and, and how it's been in our own lives and, and the lives of those that share on the on the show tonight. Um, tonight. So yeah, and what I'll so what I'll do is I'll start with our preamble that tells us uh, what we do and what we don't do. Really, it's a it's a condensed form of uh, our AA traditions. Really, so it goes like this: AA. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We're self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and to help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Back to you, Tony. Yeah, lovely. No, that's uh, good, Victor. Thank you so much. And um, perhaps I'd just like to read out uh, a little bit from our big book, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, on Chapter 5, which um, explains uh, how the program uh, works. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not give themselves completely to the simple program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those too who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we are like now. If you have decided that you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. At some of these we balked, we thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result was nil, until we let go absolutely. Remember that we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful. Without help it is too much for us, but there is one who has all power, that one is God. May you find him now. Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. And here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted that we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe in a power greater than ourselves could restore us 
to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons that we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong promptly admit it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying for only knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry the message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Many of, ex- many of us exclaim, what an order, I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We're not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The spiritual, sorry, the principles that we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. A description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and her personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A. That we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. That B. Probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. And C. God could and would if he was sought. Brilliant. Yeah, so that that comes out of uh, the big book, the big uh, blue book there of Alcoholics Anonymous, and you can find that uh, at the beginning of chapter five. Um, and I think we'll, we'll, I think we'll play a little bit of music now. What do you think? Yeah, there, let's um, set, set the scene. Yeah, let's go with uh, goodbye to the Yellow Brick Road. A uh, bit of Elton John. Get on another road. Bye. 
Welcome back, folks. You're listening to the AA Live Show in association with our friends on Otago Access Radio, and that's 105.4 FM. Um, Victor, would you like to share with us the uh, the daily reading, uh, the Spirit Lifter, as it's known in AA? Uh, yes, yeah, certainly. Um, and so there's a lot of metaphor in AA, and um, this, uh, the title of this um, reflection is first the foundation. So you're going to hear uh, through the literature and a lot of um, like foundation stone, cornerstone, all these different things for sobriety. And so this is, you know, the foundation stone perhaps that that lays the. And we're, of course we're in the first month of the 2020, so um, it's the first. This whole month is devoted to the first step of Alcoholics Anonymous and um, and angles on that along with the first tradition. So um, I'll just go into that right now so the uh, the reflection from as Bill sees it another part of the lit- uh, literature on page 8 says this is sobriety all we can expect of a spiritual awakening no sobriety is only a bare beginning and then following that is the reflection from members all around the world that um, participated in putting in their a reflection and was pulled together this uh, little booklet here practicing the AA program is like building a house. First I had to pour a big thick concrete slab on which to erect the house. That to me was the equivalent of stopping drinking. But it's pretty uncomfortable living on a concrete slab, (laughs) unprotected and exposed to the heat, cold, wind and rain. So I built a a room on the slab by starting to practice the program. The first room was rickety uh, because I wasn't used to the work. But as time passed, as I practiced the program, I learned to build better rooms. The more I practiced, the more I built. The more comfortable and happy was the home I now live in. So as you can see, it's, it's definitely around metaphorical sort of uh, and building and practicing, you know, the program as, as long and, and, as, and building up those um, things that help to maintain sobriety. So brilliant. Yeah, no, no, and it sort of certainly ties into, you know, that idea with Chapter 5 um, that says, you know, it is about practice rather than, than perfection, you know what I mean? So, um, no, wonderful. Thanks, Victor. And I, I guess, you know, that it's a good way of introducing too, you know, we're, we're, we're in January, we're in a new year, it's 2020, and you know what, it's step one, that's what it is. And um, and so, you know, with that, we admitted that we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives had become unmanageable, and that was the start of our journey into sobriety. And, um, you know, tonight we've got a couple of interviews, because um, we've been out there, we've been out there Nobody on the road. Nobody reporters away That's again. right, and, and we're, we're wanting to get the views of, of the people. And so we've got a wonderful interview um, with Tony. Um, and um, so, well, there's nothing more to be said than, um, Tony, take it away. Welcome along, Tony, um, to the show. Um, look, it's great to have you on tonight. Um, being January and all that, uh, we're taking a look at step one. Um, and so I might just read that out. Step one, we admitted that we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives have become unmanageable. Um, can you just share um, what that means for you? Sure, sure. Uh, my name's Tony, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I guess um, in order to sort of describe what that means for me, I need to go back um, to what it was, you know, leading up to joining AA and, you know, what I went through prior to that. Um, and I guess uh, one, of the, one of the things I... I struggled with right through uh, my my drinking career, and um, and I sort of you know more so realise this now, and that is um, that is the the actual denial um, that I actually had a problem. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and. And, the, and and this seems to be an attribute of, of you know every every other recovering alcoholic that I have uh, come across and and and, um, and met. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, the, it, it it wasn't until I had actually um, dealt or got across this denial that I wasn't. 
I, I, you know, I wasn't going to get any better. I wasn't going to get well. So, so um, Tony, when you're talking about denial, what, what sort of things did you think you had a drinking problem, or you thought you were okay, or how, how what sort of things was it? Was it, I guess, what it was well for me, the 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 denial was um, <coughs> turning a blind eye to all the consequences of my drinking. And, um, for example, the word alcoholic back in, back in the, um, back in the eighties was, um, um, it was, it, ha- it had a stigma with it mm-hmm. and yeah. I didn't want to be associated with that. So, you know, I would, I would, um, you know, I knew that, you know, there was, there was a struggle there, but I couldn't pinpoint it. Um, <clears throat> you know, I was I was part of a group of uh, you know people who used to get on the on the drink, you know, hmm. every weekend and, and and a lot of nights during the week, and um, and I was the smallest person by a long shot. Yet, um, in order to um, feel accepted. I had to keep up with the drinking. And, of course, um, you know, I experienced a lot of blackouts. And, and of course, you know, I couldn't... Uh, like every, every time I started to drink on any particular day, I, I couldn't stop and I could not guarantee at all of what my behaviour would be or what I would get up or what up to right yes you know I just could not guarantee that and um, but I didn't want that to be true I didn't want that to be true and you know I I looked outside myself I I was blaming the environment I was blaming other people I was blaming my employer I was blaming this and that Um, when in fact the real problem was me, mm, yes. you know. Um, you know, early early in my drinking career, when I was um, I was about nineteen, and my employer put me through uh, Wolf Home, which is uh, a subsidiary of Carrington Hospital in Auckland, and you know, I spent six weeks there, and um, you know. I was there just to, as far as I was concerned, I was just there to, to dry out and um, not to give up drinking for the rest of my life. I was just there to dry up. Right, weeks. yes, yep. And um, as soon as I finished that back and went, you know, finished that and went back to work, <clears throat> um, I was straight back into the booze again and, and, you know, and just, yeah, drinking merrily and... Um, a year later, you know, my same employer um, put me through um, Hamner Springs. You know, hmm. if if I if I refused, they uh, um, I would have lost my job. Right. Yes. Yep. So it's really um, important to for go. the yep. for the for the, you know for the behaviour that I that I gotten up to and stuff like that. And um, okay, so that was that was for eight weeks. So that was that was when I was twenty. And, um, you know, and I just wasn't in a frame of mind there to believe that I, I actually had a problem. Mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, I was, I was there to just dry out again. And, yeah. and as, soon, as soon as I got out, I was straight back into the booze again. And um, so I just did not believe that, you know, I had a problem. Was it kind of normal? You, like you were talking about that you drank with a group of friends. I mean, you know... You, you know, it was kind of was it kind of a just it was a, just a normal thing to do, you yes, know. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, at, yeah. At, at the time, you know, the there was lots of groups of people, and we would all meet up in different places and, and different pubs, and um, and yeah, it just seemed it just seemed like um, there weren't any any other people in the world that didn't drink like us. Mm. It just because of the because of the the closed, well not closed but just the subjective sort of 
thinking that I was living in at the time. And, um, yeah, and I didn't, you know, I, I guess... <laughs> I guess I was. Uh, I, sometimes I would point out um, other people's um, drinking habits and call them alcoholics. Right. And, and, and I'm glad I'm not one of those sort of thing. You know. Right. Because um, this person did something. Did this? Yeah. They're an They must yeah. be an alcoholic. Yeah, yes. That's yes. Right. Yes. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's a bit like uh, I guess. Uh, um, it's a, it's a it's a bit like someone having uh, uh, every every week having a an eighty liter wheelie bin full of empty cans and bottles, and 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 hoping people don't see them and think they're an alcoholic. Yes, you know? yes. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. So you know, after um, after after Hamner, I I lasted about another seven or eight eight uh, months in my job, and then yeah, I lost it. Yeah, because you know, my drinking just got worse and worse, and um, you know, I had a lot of days in future jobs. I had a lot of days off work through um, through just being hungover, hmm. badly hungover, and um, <clears throat> eventually, um, you know, I I don't know where this came from um, well I do really it came from my high power but I I suddenly um, saw myself from an, from an external point of view I could mm-hmm. actually see where I was heading and um, it was an early grave yeah um, although you know I still managed to keep my job and I still managed to pay the bills um, I was getting sicker and sicker um, spiritually and mentally yeah, and um, <clears throat> at the time I had, you know, there's these, there was these fears as well, you know, like, okay, I knew that deep down that you know alcohol had to be removed from the equation. Yeah. However, um, you know, I wanted the good parts of the alcohol. But I didn't want the consequences, mm-hmm. um, and I guess that's what kept me kept, kept me drinking for a long time after him. No? Um, but you know, I got to the point you know where I could see myself from an external point of view, and yeah, it was quite, uh, quite so not quite an eye opener. A little bit of self awareness sort yes, of came yes, in. Yes, yes, a bit of self awareness you know. came in. Um, because I, I mean, I remember you know my drinking career. There was this. Like okay, well that happened, but you know I can see what went wrong there. It's not going to happen again, but something else would happen that I would be unforeseen. You know what I mean? That I, mm-hmm. um, and so I mean I I became quite, I guess, scared a little bit of of, of what might happen because there just seemed to be a new thing happening every time I went out, and you know particularly under blackout when I didn't remember right. what I'd done. So. Yeah. Yeah, so that's quite amazing, Tony, that you got that aspect of self-awareness, you know, yeah. And, um, yeah, and I just got a, um, a, you know, a real sense of the um, unmanageability of of, of my whole situation, you know. Um, So um, I made a decision. I made a decision. I decided that I wanted alcohol completely out of my life forever. Hmm. Okay. You know, I prior to that, I you know had a fear that you know what's life going to be like without drinking, you know, because that's all I knew. But I didn't care. I was, you know, I was um, I was bad enough to actually want alcohol out of my life because there was there were things I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to, you know, I was thirty one and I still didn't have my driver's license. Yeah. Um, although I'd been done for drink driving twice. Right, yes. <laughs> I lost my license twice and I didn't have a license to lose, you know. Um, so there were consequences uh, sort of coming down yeah, quite often. Yes, <laughs> yes. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, I, and, you know, I, I had visions of, um, um, 
getting a getting you know going back to school and getting a better education. So mm. yeah, and so as soon as I made that decision that you know I wanted alcohol in my life, yep, I I felt so much better. Mm. I went to the doctor the next day and I says, look, I want to give up drinking. Um, and then he he put me on to a counsellor. And that counsellor turned out to be um, one of my cousins that I'd never met. Okay. Uh, an amazing exercise <laughs> because I not only caught up with someone I'd never met, but, she, yeah, she uh, she was a brilliant counsellor. And mm. she put me on to AA straight away as well. So I was doing counselling, you know. Uh, and, yeah, I basically, you know, what I'm saying here is... Um, I overcame that denial hmm. and seeked help. Yes. And I was never going to seek that help if I didn't think I had a problem. Yes. And that's why it went on for so long. Yep. Um, and, yeah, and since since I, um, yeah, so for me, this the step one, I, I actually um, partaked in it, you know, before even getting to an AA hmm. meeting because really... Um, we have to, you know, get past the denial before we can get to an AA meeting on our own steam. Yes. Yeah. Up until then, it's probably, it could be partners urging us on or our yeah. employer saying, look, you've got to do sort this yeah. out. And there's yeah. a big, you know, and feeling like the big sticks out. But you, what you're talking about is that you wanted to come. You wanted mm. To, mm. to try and, yeah, to find a way to sort this out. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, um, you know, and, you know, my first meeting, it was, um, it was, it was quite pleasant actually. You know, I wasn't, um, I wasn't, um, distraught or anything like that. You know, I was actually, I felt I'd come home, mm-hmm. you know, at my first meeting. Yep. Um, and the, the serenity of the people that were there, especially the old timers. Yeah, the ones that have been sober for years um, was amazing, and I got you know I got you know I got I got made to feel uh, extremely welcome. Mm-hmm. There was no judgment or anything, and um, and I, I I remember one of the old timers saying at my first meeting, "Keep coming back; it works if you work at it." And I've continued to do that. Yeah. Um, that was 26 years ago, so I'm still yes. today. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. so this program works. Yes, yes. <laughs> it certainly does. It certainly does. Tony, I just want to thank you so much uh, for being on the show and, and, seri- uh, and sorry, and sharing your uh, your story and your thoughts on Step 1. Um, yeah, just really appreciate it. So thank you so much. Thank you. And I was just sort of thinking, Victor, you know, um, you know, listening to, to Tony share, um, you know, what does, I guess, what does being powerless over alcohol, I guess, mean for you? Oh, look, I like to go back to the uh, the simple information that, you, you know, that comes from the big book on this question, really. Um, and it's a little bit medical and um, because the part of the book that talks about that um, was given to us by a doctor at the time and um, sort of the powerlessness came out of a... Um, phenomenon of craving and um, you know another uh, another word I'm, I don't want to get too sort of uh, medical around this because it's all our, our programs been borrowed from different uh, aspects of medicine and psychiatry and, and religion but it's it, it, and it's built up a spiritual sort of way of life and so there was some um, things in here that um, that I just wanted to spend a moment on um, and another way of describing um, alcoholism really was an obsession of the mind with a um, an allergy to the body, and those two, just those con- kind of concepts there, help me to understand the powerlessness of it. Because I, um, you know, uh, my experience of it, and here we go. You know, this is my only, you know, my experience about it was that when I started, I couldn't guarantee what my behaviour would be, and I couldn't guarantee when, whether I'd stop or carry on or 
it, sometimes I might stop and then next minute, you know, three o'clock in the morning I'm awake and I'm, I'm looking, you know, where did I stash that bottle or what was what was going on and, and I, I'm into it again. So there was, uh, and certainly in my mind, the obsession of the mind was such that um, I, it, my um, wanting to drink was just my a normal phase of my um, living. It started kind of early in my um in my teens, and I, you know, it was, um, it was so elusive that I, or well, even, um, I, I, I just loved the effect of it all, and and that's what I suppose where, what I would say the, the powerlessness came from it in, in that obsession of the mind because I, um, you know, I just wanted that effect, um, and I thought, well, you know, if I can get a little bit of effect from a little bit of alcohol, well, then surely I can get a, a lot of effect from a lot of alcohol, you know, if you can get my drift, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, the powerlessness, um, if I, um, and that can continue to um, uh, be a, a feature of it. In fact, I, I, I didn't have too much problem sort of admitting that as we say you know admitted um that i was powerless over alcohol i I guess because i knew with my behavior and all that like i'd sometimes i'd be sort of morose and oh you know like this or maybe i could be just like up and and bouncy and all the rest of it in those early days but as the progression of this thing we talk about it as a progression it was certainly evident in my life anyway because as time went on you know, some of the you know it was fun when I and and kind of a few laughs when I started off, but in the end it was only one laughing really. I um, and so I I didn't have any power over that. I I just continued on thinking, oh well, it'll be different this time. And I tried lots of different ways. You know, people would say, oh, I have a bottle of milk before you drink, and you won't get so drunk. And you know, that, that was a wrong thing to say because you know, I I I wanted to be get drunk I didn't want to be sort of in my mind you know it, it, it had become psychologically if you like getting back to the medical thing you know I, I wanted that, that feeling of, of feeling great and you know that I didn't have any problems and didn't have any responsibilities and all this it was so elusive it, it just sucked me in it's like a and I probably said this a hundred times but it was like the effect of it was like um you know, alcohol gave me wings, and then it, and then you know, it just took away the to the sky. And so, on a on a mental um, thing, it was it, that that was the powerless for me too. But the, on the physical realms as well, um, I used to get the shakes and stuff like that. Thankfully, I never had to go through the DTs, as we say, the the, the uh, delirium tremens that, that, that some of my um, fellowship members have, have gone through and to report it back to me and, I, and um, you know how physically uh, powerless they were over it. and I certainly was mentally and, and I guess I uh, um, didn't have to go to those lengths to, of hospitalisation that would have saved my life because it, it, from what they were told me it, 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 it was so powerful over them that it, it could have meant um, death mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, while you were sharing, Victor, I was thinking, you know, there are some commonalities amongst us, you know. Um, uh, you know, I was, all, I had people around me, you know, trying to intervene and say, look, just stop at three drinks or four yeah. drinks, you know. Yeah. And I bought into that big time. Um, and, and But the problem was, once I'd had that first drink, there was no stopping. There was no <laughs> putting it down at three drinks. Um, and, you know, as things started to go wrong through drinking, you know, I'd always come back with this lie in my head that would say, you know, this one's going to be different. It's going to be good this time. Um and so, you know, it took a long time for me personally to realise that, that alcohol had me beat, you know, uh, that I was indeed powerless over it. It just cried out everything that I didn't want to admit to, you know. Um, and, you know, the, yeah, when I got to AA, it was these sentiments like it is the first drink that does the real damage. It's not the fifth, sixth or twelfth, you know. It's definitely that first drink. Um, and I began to learn things that I, I didn't understand, you know, that were happening to me, you know. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, step one and being powerless is... is you know, it it, it it sort of comes in two parts, and it, it, you know, it's definitely taken me a long time to grasp and understand. Um, you know that step. Um, 
you know, yeah, I, I think, you know, that's the greatest freedom that that I have now is, you know, I don't need that first drink. You know, I can I can go happily about my daily business uh, sober, and that's, um, for me, that's a wonderful gift, um, you know. Um, but anyway, I think we'll head back to some music, and um, we'll play a little Bob Marley, uh, you know, get up, stand up, um, and, you know, that, that's what it's all about. Welcome back. You're uh, with a live with Tony and Victor, um, and um, we've got a, another interview um, for you tonight. And um, and Jackie's going to share a little bit about what Set One meets for her. So we'll let her take that away. Um, yeah. Hi, Jackie. I just want to welcome you along to the show. Um, thanks for being here. Um, uh, you know, uh, this month we're actually we're talking about Step One. Um, and I'm hoping that you could share what step one means with you. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So um, step one is we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Yes. Um, right. Well, firstly, I'm Jackie and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> um, uh, yes. And how did my life become unmanageable? Well, that unmanageability is, is probably completely different to people in all different ways but for me it was the fact that I really didn't like the person I was becoming I didn't like the dishonesty I didn't like saying I hadn't been drinking when I had Um, I didn't like um, 
I didn't like having to rely upon something else to have a good time. Right. Um, I always had this dream that I could, um, you know, go out without anything to drink and I'd get into such a bad mood and I had to go home. And I hated that, in all the, you know, it was, was not authentic and yes. I didn't like that. Um, and, um, but of course, you know, as, as, the, as my drinking got heavier, um, I um, I was sort of filled with that shame, and the only thing that would really take away that shame was you know drink more. Yes. And um, and then you know, and then of course that used to get me into more trouble, or you know I'd you know nod off in, in inappropriate places and that sort of stuff. Um, and then I have to drink more to get over that. Mm. So it was just that horrible uh, vicious circle. Um, yes. Yeah. 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 Like um, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you originally? Did you think earlier on in the piece that you might have a drinking problem? I mean, how how did did the, or did that sort of slowly dawn on you um, as as life went on? Or well, I didn't really think I was an alcoholic because you know they were the type of people that um, you know had terrible terrible dress and lay on benches mm. and and um, and had brown paper bags around, around their spirit bottles. Mm. Um, but gradually I, I started to realise that, um, you know, I would have to drink more to have a good time. Each time, would you know, I'd have sort of have to, or, or start earlier. Yes. Um, and very rarely did I go out without having anything to drink. Mm. Um, and also um, that, yeah, just, just, just the fact that... Um, I couldn't, you know, it was, if I got an invitation to something, the first thing that would pop into my mind, my mind was, oh, great, mm. I'll get to drink. Yes. Um, so all of a sudden that wasn't sort of a nice sideline, it was a must-have. Yes. And I didn't like um, the way that had the contro- complete control over me. Yes, mm. yeah. But having said that, growing up, I, I, you know, I drank a lot of beer, grew up in suburbia, uh, drank with the boys because they drank a lot of beer, mm. and I could, you know, I could drink a lot. Yes. Um, so it was kind of normal. So no, I didn't think I was an alky when I was young, but as I was sort of getting older and, you know, would have blackout and stuff like that, I thought, yep. oh, I don't know if this is really that normal. Get out of one scrape and then get into another and think, oh, I might eat more before I drink. And I started sort of bargaining with myself as to, to what to do, you know, yes. eating or changing my drinks or um, uh, limiting my drinks or... Um, you know all that stuff, which you know you, it just it's just absolutely weird you out. Yeah, no, yeah, I absolutely. You know, I guess you know while you know while I'm talking to people, Jackie, I, I, there is you know we're all different and we've all got different lives and and that sort of thing. But there is some commonality in the experiences, like you know, um, you know, like having to drink more is, is something that I can identify with. Um, you know, hiding the bottles and making because the the stuff to build up in the background and if um you know if, if someone could actually see how much i'm drinking then it was going to always end badly you know i'd always be challenged about my drinking you know so um there seems to be you know common themes amongst um us you know as a group of people you know um and the whole idea really is to challenge people at home you know sitting listening to this and stuff um you know in terms of life becoming unmanageable, because I guess it's two parts of the step, you know, being powerless over alcohol itself, how, how were some of the ways that your life was becoming unmanageable that you really had to take stock of, of, of the drinking? Um, the unmanageability was um, presented in lots of different ways. Um, again, you know, quite often I wouldn't drink sort of Monday to Thursday, mm. um, and then gradually it was sort of Monday to Wednesday, mm. um, and then just Monday or Tuesday or whatever, and then it would sort of get a bit earlier, uh, and then I'd drink while I was cocking, yes. um, and, you know, gradually it just crept up and crept up, um, and then I, um, you know, I'd have to, I couldn't, couldn't drive, Mm. Um, and then gradually I did drive, um, and I got DIC, um, and I was well over, and that was, you know, um, I was full of shame about that, Um, and, yeah, just drink became the central part of my life. You know, I had kids, and they'd see me, you know, have too many, and the the Mm. look of disappointment on their faces, you know, all that, and then I just felt powerless over everything. Yes. Um, so that was, yeah, that was the second part of that first step as, as my life was becoming unmanageable because really I couldn't manage it by putting down the drink. Mm. 
You know, um, you know the the DIC would have been, uh, you know, obviously a definite consequence, direct consequence of drinking. Um, you, you know, um, you know, I've heard other people talk where they're just thinking they're having a bad run. You know what I mean? Um, you know, was there more consequences starting to happen the more that you, you know what I mean? Yes, the, the world was becoming a smaller place. Yeah, you know? with, without a doubt. Um, I was having a bad run for lots of reasons. Um, most of them probably through my, you know, my ba- own bad choices. Mm. But um, yeah, I was having a very bad run, and I, I sort of got diagnosed with a bit of depression, mm. um, and went, you know, to a psychologist and stuff. But I didn't give the psychologist all the, the proper details. You know, yes. she did sort of say, "Oh, how much do you drink?" And I, because I'd said, you know, I drink too much, uh, and I sort of cut in half and cut in half again, and she said, "Oh, that's quite a lot." <laughs> so you know, um, but yeah, I was having a bad run. But deep down, I knew, you know, I really didn't want to use use alcohol um, to get me out of that bad run, and I just couldn't didn't couldn't find any other way out. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So in in in, in some respects, um, the DIC really uh, helped me. Ch- changed my life around and started um, making me have a good look at myself and get honest, yep. um, which is not an easy thing to do. Uh, and, you know, I'd get honest about some things, but I'd keep, you know, keep, keep uh, parts of me not honest. Um, yes. And, but I, actually, once I started to realise that, um, you know, that honesty and, because um, you can't come into the room the VA and not be honest. Yes. Uh, you know, as, as we say, you can't bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> um, and you know, you, you know, you, you spot it straight away. So it was a it was a great way to, to kind of just you know, um, it was a great starting point. Yeah. So so you know, tell tell us tell the listeners what it was like for your your first AA meeting. You know, um, what was your experience with that? Well, um, it was, I'd, I'd previously rung a woman on the phone and uh, she talked to me about what it was like for her, what it was like now, um, and um, I loved hearing the joy, the, mm. the, the excitement in her voice, because, you know, I wasn't excited about anything. Mm. Um, and so she sort of gave me, um, the enthusiasm that she had gave me the... Um, I wanted to get along to a meeting, so mm. when I went along, it was a Sunday night, and it was, um, and I walked in, and and it's sort of my first instinct was, oh God, it's just a group of old men, you know. <laughs> I thought, oh well, you know, what have I got to lose? Because I was getting into trouble in my yes. life all the time, so yes. I thought, oh well, this will kind of tick two boxes, you know. I'll uh, I'll keep the family happy, and and um, you know, this might be quite interesting listening to their problems. <laughs> so anyway, so we we we. Um, I listened to that, and I all of a sudden thought, oh, actually, these these people are speaking my language. Yes. Um, and then at the end, you know, they said, Jackie, you know, do you want to share? And so I opened my mouth, and I said, I'm Jackie, and I'm an alcoholic, and I didn't have any problem with that bit. So I thought, you know, I might just um, stick around. And um, so I was one of the lucky ones. I didn't sort of think, oh, God, this isn't for me. I thought, what have I got to lose? Mm. And um, it was great. Yeah, it yes. really was. Mm. So I, I think, you know, um, for for uh, members that come along um, regularly, uh, you know, we'll see a person uh, come in and then never see them again. You know, what kept you coming back to, to AA? Um, I just felt... Um, you know uh, the, the similarities um, about how people's lives had been governed mm. by alcohol, what they did about it. I saw even you know sparkle in the men's eyes, or you know, and and gradually I went to other meetings and there was lots of women there too, which was great. Mm. Uh, but I I heard laughter. Yes. Um, and I thought, oh, God, it's a long time since I've laughed properly. You know, I'd sort of do a wee, because yeah. <laughs> it was, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and it was that laughter. And um, some of those, the, the wisdom in the rooms was incredible. You know, even even I thought, even if, oh, even if I didn't have a drink problem, I think this would be quite a good way to live. Yes. Um, yeah. So I was lucky. I was very lucky. Um, and, but I think... If people come back to two or three meetings, they'll get what I'm saying. It's quite hard to explain, but there's a real energy um, in those rooms that you want to be around. 
Yes. Mm. Yeah, we're not glum, are we? Yeah, there's a lot of joy um, yeah. in, in our meetings and stuff. Um, yeah, look, look, I just, look, thank you so much, Jackie, for uh, being on the show. I just appreciate your, um, your sharing because I know that that's going to resonate, you know, with somebody out there. So, you know, terribly important. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, no, look, it was really interesting listening um, to her, Victor. I guess, you know, the same sort of question. You know, what what does an, an un, what did an unmanageable life look like to you? How did you recognise that your life had become unmanageable? Mate, I didn't even think I was my life was unmanageable. It was the last thing that I, I, uh, I was the last person to know um, because of just the circumstances of my life. And um, so I, the only way I was able to see it was through com- uh, repeated sort of humiliating and disgusting behaviour, really, antisocial behaviour. And, um, of course, that wasn't the formula for uh, influencing uh, people and making friends, you know. So I, um, my, my um, story was, you know, with, com- you know, a lot of um, institutions like jails and stuff like that. Like, and I suppose I was sort of um, classified as an attention-seeking, immature um, lout. In my, um, it was how I was, and so that sort of behaviour, fueled by alcohol, um, I wasn't going too far, and and I couldn't see that. Um, so, it was just through. In the end, it, it became where I um, and there's a little phrase in the in the um, in our big book that talks about that alcohol was the chilling vapor that was settled, loneliness settled down and and that's what happened to me. I because people were sort of moving away or I was pushing them away or I was just shooting through out of the away from um, away from you know whatever mess I'd sort of created with my alcohol and it, drinking and uh, my behaviour. You see, so. Um, the unmanageability was there for me to see and I finally seen it, you know, when I, I guess, had a, 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 a lot of sort of different um, rock bottoms, you could say, as we the term is, that um, ended me up being, being locked up and thinking, oh, here I go again, you know, and um, I, I can't even remember what I did last night, so what's going to happen? And it was kind of getting a little bit scary, but... Um, and... It was uh, so the unmanageability was, and funnily enough, the unmanageability was the hardest thing for me to accept. You know, like we admit we're powerless over alcohol, that our lives had became unmanageable. The two things go together, and I that was the I'm actually, I you know, I'm going to manage my own life, but you know, I had to say there was a as we, we put a wee term in here, and it's a surrender to that idea. You know, I had to give up my um me trying to manage my own life and, and come to terms with that and admit that too and you know as as is always coupled up there's an acceptance that goes with that as well and you know what that was the best decision I, and admission I've ever had to, to make because once that um, powerlessness and the unmanageability was admitted I, in our in our program and in my life, I guess I can testify to the fact that I then became able to. Um, have some, um, I, I guess, a power greater than myself in my life because I had the the truth of the matter is that I'm an alcoholic and I, and um, once I understood that, then I had some sort of power to start to recover from this disease, you know, as we call it. So um, that's sort of my brief sort of idea about what the unmanageability look I could, um, and in sharing my story with others continually in the repetition of the program I was able to sort of recognise the unmanageability whereas before it was, I was in that denial you know, didn't even notice I was a liar you know about it you know I was, I, I just didn't see it for what it was and I continued to drink, just kept that um, denial uh, firmly in place Yeah, yeah I understand that Victor, I mean for me too I started appearing before the courts um, because of my behaviour and, um, you know, hospitals and psychiatric institutions, you know, through drinking and blackout, not realising what had happened that night, you know. And it is a terrifying feeling, not knowing what you've done, not knowing why you're here, um, you know, and that was the beginning of the end um, for my drinking. But initially I was getting quite angry. I thought everybody else had a problem except me, you know. Um, 
you know, it took a while for that um, that that uh, idea that it was the alcohol that was totally in control of my life uh, and causing all sorts of mayhem, um, not just for me but for people around me as well. Um, yeah, so you know, yeah, no, thanks, Victor. I really enjoyed um, you know the sharing tonight as well. Um, but unfortunately, folks, that brings us towards the end of the show. Um, time's getting away on us. Um, Victor, would you like to uh, share for the for listeners how they can get in contact with us or perhaps touch base? Oh yeah, um, for sure. Um, so what we've got here is um, we've got a, um, a contact um, phone number which is zero eight hundred AA Works, and that is zero eight hundred. Two two nine six seven five seven. So that's oh eight hundred two two nine six seven five seven, and that'll get you through to a menu that'll take you to your area, and um, you you will be able to talk to someone there and, and hopefully make contact with AA and and, and come and see uh, for yourself what AA is. And um, we also have a web. Uh, address for our local area and that's aaotago.org.nz that takes you to the and just a wee um, mention of the um, local AA intergroup that takes you to the um, that intergroup where you can um, access the, the meetings in the area and uh, you know in the Otago area actually as well as Dunedin um, if you wanted to write us a letter, you could um, post a, a letter to AA Otago Intergroup, and that's PO Box six double one five Dunedin North. That's Dunedin nine zero five nine. And the um, G- General Service Office um, online address is aa.org.nz, which will take you to the General Service uh, Office in um, Wellington, who I just noticed for those members, it's got a new address now. So I just got my um, copy of Mainstay and it's got a, a new address there. So it's 230 Downer Street, Lower Hut, 5010. And, of course, their phone number there is, uh, the local number is 04472. Four two five zero, and just want a bit of a shout out for Nicola there that I've had something to do with in recent times getting my mainstay, uh, our little literature there. So shout out to Nicola for your help. <laughs> and um, so yeah, but just back to that phone number again. So that's oh eight hundred AA Works, which is oh eight hundred two two nine six seven five seven, and uh, wish everyone a safe and a sober um, until we come we meet again. And um, yeah. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, no, that's great. No, and I just want to thank, um, you know, thank our uh, guests, uh, Tony and um, Jackie, for being on the show tonight, Absolutely. and Nicola. Um, yeah, <laughs> wonderful. And and thanks, Victor, too. You know, so um, Cheers, yeah. Thanks, yeah, and just hope that uh, you've taken something away from the show. Uh, and so, leading us out tonight, everybody, is uh, a little bit of the Beach Boys with good vibrations. Oh, brilliant. I love the colorful clothes she wears And the way the sunlight plays upon her hair I hear the sound of a gentle word On the wind that lifts her perfume through the air I'm picking up good vibrations She's giving me the excitations I'm backing up good vibrations She's giving me the excitations Good, 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 good vibrations Softly smile, I know she must be kind In her eyes, she goes with me to a blossom room I'm picking up good vibrations She's giving me the excitations I'm picking up good
vibrations are happening with her. wherever you go with podcasts and live streaming of Primo local content. Download the Access Internet Radio app for free from Google Play and the Apple App Store. This program was first broadcast on ORFM Dunedin and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.